Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Hassan with another episode of the Influence Continuum. And today we have an absolutely fascinating guest, a fellow survivor of a cult world, uh, as everybody who is, you know, knows me uh, that I was in the Moonies. Well, Alva was involved with John of God, but more significantly for our talk today with the Trump uh, cult or the cult of Trump, uh, to quote my book. Uh, let me just introduce uh, Alva Johnson to all of you. She is a native Alabamian. You were a three-time All-State, two-time volleyball winner, player. I mean, you've had quite a career. I'd say to summarize it, you are a people person and an organizer and an event planner. You helped to do the Olympics when it yes. came to Atlanta. You work with all kinds of companies and athletes. Um, and, but I'm most interested, Alva, because of our connection with Donald Trump, uh, me as an outside person criticizing you as a former insider person with some very unique experiences, perspectives, and you reached out to me, I think, initially in 2021, and I right, it was forg a couple of years. <laughs> forgive me for not responding to your email, but then more recently, your NDA that you had signed for the Trump cult uh, was um, invalidated. Invalidated. That's the word I was looking for by courts of law. So now you said I can talk. <laughs> and so we've talked a few times, and every time I'm I'm more and more fascinated, and more and more I'm believing that you can help us, in your terms, reverse engineer how Trump got in power in the first place. Um, but let me just say a few more things, and then we'll open up the conversation. Sure. So you got involved with the Trump campaign unofficially uh, in 2015, but officially in the beginning of 2016. Right. And you were director of outreach and coalitions for, for the two, 2016 Trump campaign. You were one of the ground game managers traveling to the most critical primary states coordinated some of the largest rallies with 30,000-plus attendees, uh, coordinated the rally with Jeff Sessions uh, when he surprisingly, after the fact, endorsed. said, I don't know why I endorsed him. I, I hadn't planned right. to. That was fascinating. You were hired by Corey Lewandowski, worked with Paul Manafort, Dave Bossy, Steve Bannon, Boo, just all of them. Um, <laughs> exactly. And I guess, you know, I'm so um, shocked when you told me that the Mueller investigation never contacted you no, at all. And, at all. <laughs> and what the yeah. F? Uh, <laughs> how can they be doing their job and not talk to an insider? And, and in one of our conversations, you talked about organizing RVs, like bi right. Bikers for Trumps, Latinos for Trump, and other special interest groups. And you mentioned that the Russians were involved. Were involved, yes. So given that, I, I just right. am shocked. So forgive me for talking so much, Alva. Take it away. Please tell no. our <laughs> listeners you're fascinating. 
Um, thank you, first of all, um, Dr. Heston, Steve, for, um, for all of your support <laughs> over this time. Um, you were probably one of the first names that I saw some years ago where I said, okay, this is a person that may actually understand what's really happening. Mm. Um, I've been in litigation with um, the Trump campaign and with Donald Trump since 2018. Um, initially, people knew me as one of the 40 women because he kissed me without permission while I worked for the campaign. So initially, that's where people knew me up, but people didn't know the depth of um, of work, um, you know, the caliber of work, how long I'd been involved with the campaign. And actually what, um, you know, I was probably one of the first 50, 60 people on the payroll. Yeah. Um, I started working unofficially in 2015, helping to coordinate um, a rally in Alabama. Mm -hmm. And then um, January 2016, I originally joined as director of Outreach Coalitions. Yep. Um, I was um, responsible for North Alabama, which Mo Brooks was um, the sitting congressman. He was um, supporting another candidate. Mm -hmm. So I joined the campaign when there were still 18 other Republicans in the race. I see. And Trump was polling last. Mm -hmm. So for me, there was absolutely no way that I ever thought that he would win. Right. Um, I just kind of saw it as, you know, I'm an event planner. I'm planning a rally. This will go nowhere. Mm -hmm. And um, after I ended up throwing um, a, a rally in Alabama, in North Alabama, 33,000 people showed up. Another 4,000 people were outside. Jeff Sessions, it was when he was the first senator yep. to endorse um, um, then Trump. Um, and that was at the rally that I was in charge of. So from there, they... Well, tell um, us the story. Because when you <laughs> told it to me, I was like, whoa, maybe he was hypnotized or something. Well, you know, I mean, so it's interesting because I've been reading your books. Yeah. And as I uh, read your books, I'm just like, wow, that's what was happening. Mm. Like, wow, that's what was happening. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it's the... The rallies themselves, I think, became very hypnotic in the sense of like the repetition of words. Yeah. I think you you name it like framing and modeling or like mm -hmm. these cue words um, that, you know, that people say. And so they become a little hypnotic. Mm -hmm. You know, first of all, you have someone come in and preach, you know, they'll say a prayer, mm -hmm. you know, and so it's like. 30,000 people all bowed in prayer. It's a form of meditation. Yep. And then you have the cue words, the repetitious words, lock her up, build a wall, things like that. So it does become this somewhat hypnotic state mm -hmm. of the people that are at the rallies. And, um, and so I remember at that time, Senator Sessions, um, he you know walked out, he was doing the introduction. And then before we all knew it, he says... And I'd like to make this official. I'm officially endorsing Donald J. Trump for president. And no one expected it, not even Trump. Like, no one saw this coming. Mm -hmm. And I just remember when Senator Sessions walked off and he was just kind of standing on alongside the stage. And so we're all just kind of standing there, like, in shock. And he turned to myself and one other person. He's like, I don't even know why I did that. I had no plans to do that. So even he did not expect to do what he did. He was simply 
giving an introduction. And before he even realized, he was giving the first endorsement of a sitting senator. Yeah, so for me, as an expert in hypnosis, I can tell you there are programs you can insert inside of somebody's mind without their awareness that they're going to say something when they hear a certain code word uh, and do things and, and that they won't even remember that they had been hypnotized. Um, so I have many experiences over 47-year career of this type of abuse and frankly, the Russians have a long history of using hypnosis using, yeah. and active measure, measures. So for me, that is not normal. Uh, and so, and we we now know for sure the Russians were involved in right. getting uh, Trump uh, into power, oh, okay. and they celebrated, and even they were not sure that they would succeed. Um, and there's just so many. Um, direct tactics, tactics yeah. and cues. So, but when you told me that, that that's news, I, I've never heard anyone say, you know, was there yeah. when Session <laughs> said, I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I did that. That's I a big deal play. for a, a politician to endorse somebody without having any foreknowledge or, or planning. Or any expectation of right. doing so. Right. And um, and not only that, like none of us expected him to do it. Right. And so we were all shocked. Um, you know, we were kind of celebrating like, oh my gosh, we can't believe this just happened. Right. But, um, but not prayer. of us. Right. Well, not <laughs> God did a miracle. See, he was bowing in prayer. There may have been subliminal messaging through the loudspeaker system that nobody's aware right. of. But right. But anyway, please continue. And so, um, and so then from there, I ended up um, on the road. Mm -hmm. um, so when I was on the road, I worked with um, a, what a part of my responsibilities were um, building up our volunteer base taking a lot of the data because I was on the road, um, seeing um, the, I guess the profiles, the personality profiles, the um, voter profiles of what worked and what didn't work. And, um, and meeting every day with um, the director of data, the data team and Trump Tower, um, and it's sometimes in real time saying, okay, this zip code, this person, this neighborhood, um, being so specific um, and the data targeting as to the messaging. So did you know where that data and those profiles were coming from? Did you know anything about Cambridge Analytica and Facebook yet? So at that time, it wasn't coming from Cambridge Analytica. Mm -hmm. At that time, um, Cambridge Analytica was working, with Ted, um, was working with Ted Cruz. I see. And I think this is what... Um, um, we were, in essence, we were kind of building our own. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's why they, he put Brad Parscale in charge of the 2020 election, because the data team um, were, were crucial in order to be able to target the right people, mm -hmm. um, you know, as everything else has grown. And so at that time, during the primaries, um, Cambridge Analytica was with Ted Cruz. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't with us. Um, they didn't come on board until we became the nominee right. for the general. Right. Um, but during that time, um, I think that we were probably doing a better job. Um, and it helped, I think, to it probably helped them in a sense too. But I, 
I feel like we were doing a better job mm -hmm. because it was um, building data um, from the ground, yep. you know, so it was um, so it was like fresh data. So how was it collected? Was it online or was just meeting people and asking them to fill out questionnaires? Do you remember? No, we had apps. And so um, our data team built an app. I see. And so the apps um, were for the people that would go and do door knocking. Mm -hmm. And so in essence, you had a lot of volunteers who were also collecting information. Got it. And so, um, so they would walk around. They would use an app that was built by our data team. What was it and called? It would ask, Do you remember? Um, I don't remember, but I have a lot of, like, I still have a lot of my, um, a lot of my paperwork. I have a lot of things. Okay, I let's get look that. it up. Maybe we can add it to the blog because I think right. my, my friends who are researching would love to know details like that. Yeah, I can pull that up. Great. I can find that. I still have a lot of my um, stuff from 2016. But so they created an app. Mm -hmm. And so our volunteers would go. Um, they, it would give them an address, it would give them a name, it would give them, you know, three people in the home, income bracket is this, you know, um, you know, voted, you know, Democrat in 2012, you know, things like that. Yep. And so, um, and then it would have our platform, you know, um, not, you know, keeping social security, veteran benefits, taking care of our veterans, mm -hmm. uh, putting America first, things like that. Mm -hmm. And so they would go from door to door to get feedback. And if and so they were sent to the door by the app. The app was, okay, this address. So they go there. If for any reason the person was hostile towards that information, then in real time, I would have to call Trump Tower to say this neighborhood or this zip code, like if it was multiple people in a neighborhood. And so they would um, retarget mm -hmm. the neighborhood until they were consistently getting in areas where it was consistently positive mm -hmm. reinforcement. Mm -hmm. And so um, they would then take a lot of those profiles. And then as we go into other states, use those same profiles to target other people in other states uh -huh. um, using the same information. Right. And so um, I would have those conversations daily yeah. um, to say if it was a success or if it wasn't. Mm -hmm. um, and then in addition to that, um, helping to identify and build a lot of the coalitions. Mm -hmm. So now you see women for Trump, you see blacks for Trump, Latinos for Trump, Chinese for Trump. You see um, bikers for Trump, veterans for Trump. There's so many different um, groups. Right. And um, and so we, I was a part of the team that initially helped to identify and put together a lot of those groups. Mm -hmm. So over the years, um, watching where Women for Trump was just like this one group, and you know down in West Palm, and now seeing that there are chapters in almost every county of Florida, mm. not just in Florida, but in like other states, right? And so it becomes like their entire social circle. Yep. You know, so usually in, in campaigns and in presidential elections, you start campaigning two years maybe ahead of time, a year ahead of time. You start your ground game. Yeah. This is um, four years of campaigning. This is, um, they. you know, we have this term grassroots wins elections. Yeah. These are grassroots organizations that are happening 365 days a year for four years 
since the year, since 2016, when he won the election. Mm -hmm. And so when we start to wonder why there's so many different sub-cults that have now fallen under the cult of Trump, you know, so to speak, it's because um, they have um, created all of these grassroots organizations that um, have become isolated from their families, isolated from their friends, their entire social circle, Mm-hmm. is now made up of their relationship. Every Saturday, they get to go and spend time with other people that think like them, that think the same thing. And so it's a literally grassroots. So it's not uh, just online. Their actual people are encouraged to meet in person. Oh, they yeah, they absolutely, they meet in person. Like they have events now. They have, um, like they meet monthly. Mm-hmm. They meet, we- like some of them meet monthly, some meet weekly. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's been really just um, terrifying mm-hmm. to watch this, um, especially because I was in litigation um, you know, under the NDA, right. which I had to fight to get out, um, out from. But being in litigation, watching all of this grow and knowing that they were prohibiting me from saying anything about it, doing anything about it. Right. And um, and so it's just been um, it's been terrifying watching um, the growth of a lot of those groups. Yes. And I'll just mention, I'm not sure when we'll air this, but uh, there's a front page article in the New York Times about, and this is also maybe triggered by the Argentinian, uh, yeah. you know, uh, libertarian cult leader who is aligned with Trump getting elected. Uh, this increase of this autocratic uh, mentality, and in the Times they talked about the Heritage Foundation having yeah. a playbook for when they yeah, take the over. Yeah, twenty twenty-five. Yep. Yeah, and and they're going to come after all the critics, like <laughs> you know. I'm, well, I can assure you, I'm like number fifty. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't. I know. I am definitely in the top fifty. It's not even so much about him. It's about all the people that work around him. Yeah. That know what I know. Yeah. And that have wanted to make sure that I remain silent. Yeah. You know, even some of the people. Um, I didn't realize this. When I worked with them, I found out later, I found out, you know, from my lawyers um, that Mm. some of the people that I reported to are lobbyists for Putin. They're lobbyists for Xi. Um, I was sent down to Florida for the general election. Mm -hmm. Florida was a must-win state. Yep. Um, Alabama's a safe state, so there was no need for me to stay there. Yeah. Um, and so they sent their best people to the states that they had to win. Yeah. And um, during that time, we were still um, kind of um, in a combative situation with the RNC, meaning that they wouldn't release any funds to Trump, mm-hmm. to the campaign for offices. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted to pull away the woman that was over Florida and put someone else Susie Wiles, who eventually took over Florida. Um, And so since we didn't have offices, um, I created these mobile offices, this RV program. Mm -hmm. So I had an RV North Florida, RV Central Florida, RV South Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, two drivers each created these, basically like these, like these, many campaign events Mm -hmm. 
um, that the RVs would go to. And so sometimes the RVs would be the only exciting things happening in some of these very small counties. Mm. But if you think about the way that elections work, you know, you go into counties that a lot of times, you know, a lot of um, candidates, a lot of people just don't go into. They ignore. So the they people ignore some of those are like, counties. oh, someone's paying attention to us. Thank, right. thank you. And so out of like the 53 counties in Florida, I think I went to 48. But what I eventually learned, mm -hmm. which is why I was really surprised that Mueller never reached out, was that some of the messages that I was getting um, to have the RVs attend were coming from Russia, the GRU. They were pretending to be regular Americans, saying we would love to do an event here in West Palm Beach or in Hollywood, Florida, you know, they would um, connect with one of our volunteers mm -hmm. and then we would get the message at the campaign. So how did you so, know it was Russia just to play devil's advocate for him? Um, well, okay. So I think the first time I heard it, I was, um, I quit the campaign. I was um, kind of hiding out. And I was watching CNN and I saw one of my volunteers running from the camera. And the cameraman was asking her, I heard that you were coordinating events with the Russians. And she was probably one of the volunteers that would coordinate some of the most events down in South Florida. Fascinating. And, and then in addition to that, I saw an article where they were talking about Russia um, planning the events. And they reached out on social media to the person that was over our social media. She reached out to the head of communications. He wrote it on a sticky note. So do you want to name, name names? Who is the head of communications? Um, well, it was, um, well, so, um, so they reached out on um, social media mm -hmm. and then they gave it to Chad Tucker. Chad Tucker was our director of communications at the time. Mm -hmm. And you'll see um, it in the article. You'll see Karen Giorno's name in the article. Um, and so they would give them the information. Mm -hmm. And so I remember Chad just wrote it on a sticky note and gave it to me. Well, I ended up coordinating this rally with some guy's name that was given to me. And then as I'm looking at the article, it's showing that that um, was a person that was coordinating it from Russia. So who who did the article? Was it uh, uh, CNN um, or? Uh... It was the Washington Post. Let okay. me just take a look at this. Okay. Um, I'm sure some of our listeners, are their ears are wide open. <laughs> Um, let's see. So um, I think it was the Washington Post, but let me just pull it up so that okay. I have this for sure. But just to be clear, when I wrote The Cult of Trump in 2019, it was clear to me with all the research that I did that the Russians were deeply involved in getting him elected in the first place. And um, when I read the Mueller report, uh, even though Barr said that the Russians were not involved, I was like, nonsense. Um, why would he say that? And I actually had a little thing with my editor at the time because she said, okay, we'll take out Putin and Russia from chapter seven. I'm like, no way am I taking out Russia. Right. No, I mean, there is no way that you could, actually. 
Um, you know, um, when I think about even Susie Wiles, mm-hmm. who was still very involved in the campaign, mm-hmm. and um, knowing that I worked for her, mm-hmm. and then finding out later that she was, um, she is, and she was a lobbyist for Putin. Right. Her husband worked um, for um, Putin on the Maninsky Act. Magnus- um, Magnitsky Act, where yes. where where this lawyer was tortured and murdered, and billions of of Putin's dollars have dollars been sequestered fr- around right. uh, uh, free countries, and that's one of the many things that Putin is angry at About. the U.S. and is wanting well, to destroy the United States um, for many personal reasons, as well as just needing more power. Right. No, absolutely. Um, That's exactly one of the many reasons. But then to find out that the husband, um, ex-husband now of the person that I was working for, was his main lobbyist to have that overturned. Yeah. And so um, you'll hear this story or remember just like watching the news and seeing that he was, you know, in the congressional meeting with the Russian spy, Butina. Yeah, Marina Butina was a spy, infiltrated the NRA, went to the National Prayer Breakfast of a cult called The Family that I wrote about and brought a whole bunch of Russians with her to that. And and I wrote about the NRA as being in the cult of Trump because like who's behind this? Why do we need assault rifles? Excuse me, 19 million in per yeah. private citizens' hands? This is Putin's dream and she's dream to, that Americans will kill each other. And there's yeah. whatever they can do to incent, in, 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 in make it more and more polarized here so that people are angry and violent, the, the happier Trump, they are. Exactly. And Trump has been um, like the perfect, like the perfect storm. That's what Um, Bannon said. We found our guy, the chaos maker. And his ego is what appeals to him the most, which is why he is so impressed by autocrats. You know, meaning Trump was to, impressed mean, with yeah, well, with Kim well, yeah. and Putin, with and, Kim and Putin, and um, auto, um, you know, the guy over in Hungary mm-hmm, and Chi Orban, mm-hmm. um, you know, he brags about them. Yeah, what he's doing is, and, and you will understand this, he is in essence um, normalizing this behavior. So when these people are at the at the rallies, I remember when I started to see people that would say I would rather be Russian than to be a Democrat, like t-shirts. Yeah. I mean as a that's as a obvious, of, isn't it? As as a child of the Cold War, yeah. you know, that's not something that you ever thought that you would ever hear you. Right. Like you would ever hear in the United States. Um, but then I was thinking earlier as I was preparing for this, right? And we we're talking about the enemies list. Mm-hmm. And Heritage Foundation. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, becomes the moment where neighbors turn on neighbors, family turns on families, when or if we get to that point. Um, it becomes that moment where loved ones actually turn on each other. Yeah, they're boiling, they're boiling yeah. the temperature. And yeah. in my studies, the, the, I, the, the concept, the academic concept is unfreezing a person's sense of identity by by you know radicalizing them and making them believe that their mother, their brother, their sister, their uncle are the enemy to the point where they block or mute each other 
Uh-huh. And and uh, so, I mean, the thing is that it, there's a formula here. I just interviewed Ruth Ben-Ghiat, who wrote about Mussolini and strongmen, uh-huh. and she was sharing how Hitler worshipped Mussolini and used him as a playbook. So did Bannon. And this this is this is well known the system of how you establish authoritarian control. That yeah. said, what can we do to tell our fellow Americans? Understand we're under is- siege by foreign powers and we by are. authoritarians, and I believe fossil fuel, you know, barons, states like Putin and and uh-huh. and Middle East, the Middle East, and right. the Coke and uh, Empire, um, to keep selling oil, even though it's destroying a planet Earth. Exactly, planet right. No, I mean, um, you know, it's been um, it's been interesting to me to watch a lot of this. It's because you always feel as if you know the experts are going to get this right. You know, like I'm in litigation and, um, you know, for years and I'm like, oh, it's not going to grow. Oh, someone is going to stop this. And what I I think I've Mm -hmm. learned is that um, it's we're going to have to save ourselves. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's up to good people to to not dial Um, out and get hopeless, but get get really activated. And I just want to add, if I may. Because you sure. mentioned the prayers before the rallies, so the um, the concept of fourth generation war warfare or psyops was created by an American military strategist, William Lind, who okay. actually met with Trump in the Oval Office. But he paired up with Paul Weirich of the Christian Right, and the oh. the approach is you delegitimize experts, you delegitimize science, and you delegitimize institutions uh. of democracy. So the the attacks on experts and the attacks on science, and this is the essence of climate science denial of saying ninety seven percent of the world's climate scientists and all the satellite imagery says this global climate crisis and warming right. due to human activity, but we're not sure we need to study it more and delay another decade, another decade, another decade when in fact we could have should have fifty years ago fifty years ago right changed our our direction, and we would not be in the predicament now where we're having these massive weather events that should never be happening and right. where it's code red. And I, I listened to a, a, a TED talk, a TEDx talk on planetary stewardship by Juan Enriquez that was very persuasive. He started with an image of a little baby. Oh, you have a beautiful little child and the child gets a temperature. It's 100 degrees and then it's 101 degrees. And then it's 102 degrees, and then you call the doctor, and the doctor says, bring the child to the emergency room, and then it's 103, and then it's 104, and then he says, the child will be dead at 108. He said, that's what's happening on planet Earth right now. We're at 104 or 5, and... And it's a cascade effect. So that's why I'm talking more and more about planetary um, uh, awareness. This is right. our home. 
Right. No, absolutely. I mean, and we can see the effects of it, even, you know, with weather, with um, with all of the fires that have been yeah. happening, you know, um, I mean, we see the effects of it all of the time, yeah. you know, um, whether it's too hot um, or whether they're like these, you know, hurricanes and tornadoes and months that you usually don't experience exactly. that we look at what happened with hawaii exactly you know and so um that's definitely one of the benefits even if you think about um like the um coronavirus mm -hmm. like COVID, and when that was happening yep and um and then how that was just like the again it was like the the playbook it was a a, a great playbook it was people becoming isolated yeah it was helping people to not trust science yeah and so it um also goes on to when we talk about denying that you know climate change is happening yeah well if you can watch people die around you but you still deny that masks are going to save you or that you should take this medicine because someone on YouTube said it was like, you know, the best thing. They're taking like horse dewormers, yeah. you know, but I, I always say, um, you know, I always think that was the, that was the murder part of the movie. Yeah. You know, like when you think about movies and then at first there's like all of these different parts, right? right? So that was the beginning of the murder part of the movie, mm -hmm. COVID. It was the willingness to watch people die and to not want to do anything about it. Right. Well, it created and, confusion and people follow authority figures they think are legitimate. And nobody has more power and influence than the person who is in the Oval Office, even though it was right. Donald Trump. Right. So I want to I want to come back to the 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 methodology that you are aware of that was used to create these community groups, these RVs, okay. and and um, and what your thoughts are on what we can do together. And if we have resources and a team, what can we do to start to neutralize the negative effects and build warm relationships and empower right. people? I'm very interested in your in your thoughts and your help. You know, it's it's really interesting because um, I, I first of all I think understanding the profile of those people. Yeah. But not just looking at who they are right now. It's who were they ten years ago? Exactly. Sometimes people have to remember yeah. who they are. Yeah. You can fall so far. I mean, I have a lot of I guess empathy for um, a lot of them because first off, I was there too yeah and it's you know it's not something that you feel proud of you know we all love to feel like we're too smart to to be duped yeah that's a key but, point people think right. it can never happen to them until after right. the fact until, but then they have to swallow their pride and go whoops right yeah and say i made a mistake yeah and um and and then recognizing so i feel we should look at um, like I still have like a lot of, of volunteer lists. I feel, you know, um, we should look at a lot of these people, but not just look at, you know, like their profile of who they are now. You know, look at the websites that they visit. Yes. Um, but then let's look at who they were 10 years ago. Yep. 
so that we can see like what was the issue what was the thing that made that flip the switch right that's was my work it, that's how i help people yeah. get out of cults is to not only educate them on how to tell if there's mind control i use the bite model right. uh, or robert lifton's model primarily but i ask them please go back in time what was your first memory of trump and they'll right. often say, oh, I thought he was a jerk or he was a yep. womanizer. Yeah, no, you know, he sure. cheated on his wife. He cheated on his wife. You know? and, I mean, and, and it's, you know, it, it was fascinating because there were like people would literally show up at some of the campaign events or some of the volunteer offices. Mm -hmm. They would show up and they would say, I don't know why I'm here. And I remember hearing a lot of the grievances because I think I was probably one of the most accessible people on the campaign yeah. because I worked with a lot of the volunteers. I had to um, organize and build the volunteer um, base. Um, and then I traveled from state to state. Mm -hmm. And so I probably knew more people, I think, than a lot of uh, a lot of the other people on the campaign. Yeah. And um well, you're a people a, person, Alva. A, yeah, you're like a very I, I, warm soul. You know, yeah, just and I, I haven't met you yet, but just <laughs> on Zoom, you you exude, you know, warmth. I care. And, I care about people. Yeah. And so for me, I'm thinking I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, you have you listen to mothers talk about um, their son or their child and and their opioid addiction. You listen to these veterans come in and talk about, well, I haven't been able to get this. and I haven't been able to get this. You know, you want to like, oh, I just want to help you. Right. And so you so some a lot of these people. And I think this is um, what we have to also understand about um, people like Trump is how they prey upon people and their grievances. Yep. You know how they are predators, yeah. and so they're going to prey upon your empathy. They're going to prey upon your grievances, and so um, it's like I'm the only person that can save you. Yeah. I'm the only person that can help you. And then I sometimes I go back and I look at some of these same volunteers, yep. some of the same these sweet people that I met 2016, and I look at who they are now, and it's like a lot of them are not even the same people. Right. I changed. I, I became it, a right-wing fascist. I, I really changed, and yeah. I was encouraged to change. I was told my real self was satanic, and I was doing God's will. So my sense in researching the cult of Trump is that without the, the new apostolic reformation and the, these so-called uh, prophets or apostles who are self-appointed, who claim to speak to God directly, who said Trump won the 2020 election, they run cults. They run B-I-T-E cults. And, so, and their followers are so afraid of being possessed by demons that they need to be under the covering of their apostle or their prophet, that they're not following Trump as much as they're following the prophet who's telling them God wants. That Trump is, yeah. He's a King Cyrus figure, so he's yeah. sinful, but he's God's sinner. I mean, he, yeah, no, that's exactly it. Mm. And that's how a lot of all of these many organizations have been working. There are a lot of many cults yeah. within the cult, yeah. you know? And that's how they operate. It's like they all have one. It all leads back to one central figure. Yeah. It's like um, QAnon yeah. and how and watching that grow. I mean, they were person on Grata 
In 2016, on the campaign, we were told, if you see anyone with a Q shirt, don't sit them behind Trump because we like those people are weird. Yeah. Those are the Pizzagate people. I mean, this is literally, you know, the impression of what we were always told to do is if you see anyone with a QAnon shirt, don't sit them behind him. Uh-huh. We don't want to have anything to do and with that them. changed, though. And that changed by the end of 2017. Yep. All of a sudden, they were a huge extension. Right. Of I believe the Russians of, of got the involved in Colorado. I absolutely believe that as well. Yeah. And because Trump, again, you know, his ego and the stroking of his ego is what he cares about the most. So now I mean, it no longer matters that they are weird. It's just, it just only right. matters that here are thousands and thousands of more people that believe that I'm the best person in the world. Right. But I want to add right. Michael Flynn. Uh, oh yes, was directly linked to Putin, and yes. he's a major figure in in stoking civil war. He's oh, even yeah. saying well, there may not even be an election next year. Yeah. So what is he thinking as a former general if he's saying I, words like that? And I I can't reach I, any I other conclusion other than there's going to be he some means it. some type of no, mass he, violence event. He absolutely means it, yeah. and I think that we are beyond the point of um, of taking what they say as if it's hyperbole. Right. But actually believing what they say, yeah, and acting they, like we and, act, and acting as if what they're like they're not telling you what they're going to do. They're telling us what they're going to yeah. do, and for so long, you know, you know, remember how long it took for people to actually start calling it a cult, or how long it took for people to start saying that oh, it's a lie. They would even use alternative facts. Before alternative was, facts. We'll talk about jargon. Yeah. It's called yeah. a lie. Excuse it's me. It's a lie. Exactly. <laughs> alternative exactly. facts. What reality are you in? Oh, I'm in a multi-dimensional <laughs> reality where lies are true. And if, where lies are if true. If you believe it 100%, it, the universe will magically make it so. Except, exactly. Except that's not real. That's it's mind control real. land. Yep. And but it also took for so many years for people to start just calling it what it was um, instead of repeating, you know, what they're saying. So, yes, you know, I definitely feel as if the red lights, the red lights are blinking. I definitely feel as if he gets into power then it is absolutely the end of democracy. Yeah. I mean, or any one of his clones. Or any one of his clones. Um, Yeah. But um, I, yeah. Or any one of his clones. Because even now, even now they have not spoken out um, against him, you know, in any type of way that. Well, Chris um, Christie is, he's one of the few. But But other than him, I mean, you know, the rest of them, they've had opportunities and they haven't. Right. Um, and so I still see that it's the end of democracy if any of them get into power, but absolutely if he gets into power, because the people that have helped him accomplish all of this are still a part of his circle. Yep. Um, you know, I remember I was telling you the story about Voices of America. Yeah, to share. Which is the, um, that is the 
um, basically it's the news cycle. It's the, the voice of America. It's the news of the United States. Right. It's the news that you get on all of the military bases. Mm-hmm. It's the news that you see at all of the embassies all over the world. Well, one of my former co-workers who was one of um, Lewandowski's um, hires, uh, Matt Saplowski. So Matt Saplowski um, went to go work at Voice of America. And I thought it was the most odd choice, especially because I know Matt. I'm like, this just doesn't make any sense. Matt was also one of our data people on the ground. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so then I started to see articles of how Matt and the other person that was put in were running out all of the career people Mm -hmm. and voices of America. But then how Bannon also had a lot of influence because that meant that Breitbart Right. And all of these, you know, other news cycles, these other um, right-leaning news stations became like the official um, news source. Yeah. So it was integrating that into the official news source. And we wonder why so many veterans showed up on January 6th. We wonder why so many veterans have been radicalized as well. It's because if this is what they're seeing on military bases, yeah. and it, and and the messaging is being um, determined, yep. you know, by by MAGA, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then how you know then, but it's like these little pockets of things like that. If we don't understand the people who were able to help him successfully in 2016, yep. we will not understand how to stop him. Yep. Because a lot of those people are still very much involved. And I've had people tell me, well, 2016 doesn't really matter now. And that's absolutely not true. You can't read a book starting in the center. Right. You can't solve a problem halfway through yeah, the problem without understanding the problem from the beginning. Yep. Agreed. And so, um, yeah, a lot of it also requires us to really do a deep dive on the people. Agreed. that have continued to be involved with him. Those are the people that, in essence, have pretty much gone unknown. The same as me. People didn't know who, um, know the, the depth of my responsibilities in 2016. Right. So I know this is a public messaging, you know, app and, and, and YouTube, but what are you comfortable saying uh, publicly about what we can do now. What can people listening to this do other than, I mean, I want people to support freedom of right. mind and teach right. the influence continuum and bite model and encourage people to reach out to their loved ones who have been right. radicalized by MAGA and start warmly. I miss you. Right. Like you were saying, bring them back. That's what to- my friends did. Yeah. My friends, they were like, Alba, we think you're a little nuts right now, but we're just not going to talk politics. Yeah. But they didn't abandon. Yes. And isolation is one of the probably worst things I think that you can do because that is what they want. They want those people for um, to be isolated. Mm -hmm. And once they're isolated, then their entire social circle, their entire lives are taken over by MAGA. Um, I think some of the things that we can do is uh, for the people that have large platforms is to really pay attention to what's being said and repeat it. Mm -hmm. Don't take it as hyperbole. But to understand that they are warning you, um, it's, you know, they're telling you what they're going to do. 
So when they talk about this hit list of people, it's a threat for people like myself and for sessions and, um, you know, um, for a lot of the other people, um, Miles Taylor, you know, Stephanie Grisham, um, Omarosa. Those are threats for us mm -hmm. to know that if he gets back in office, but it's also a warning right. to the rest of MAGA for people who may think about leaving, but now they become more afraid. Yes. And so it's also a warning to QAnon. It's a warning to anyone to dare speak out against him, to leave the grips that he has on them. Right. So I wanna I wanna just, if I may, say sure. that um Trump got elected in 2016 with two billion, an estimated two billion dollars of free advertising. Yes. Because every time he said an outrageous thing, everybody repeated it over repeated and over it. Yeah. and over again, which is exactly what they wanted. What he wants. Yeah. And I have a real beef with the media that doesn't <laughs> understand. We're too. in psychological warfare, warfare. and too. you don't keep repeating the negative message of the yeah. enemy who wants to subvert <laughs> democracy. You put out a message, message that's <laughs> empowering. You can cite something if people want to hear that, but you do without not- Without harping on it and without making it dominate the news cycle. Right. So here's an interesting story. When I first started in January, 2016, I started calling all of these media organizations, um, you know, radio stations, TV stations, mm -hmm. um, broadcasting companies in Alabama to start getting my budget together, you know, like budgets, to get the budget together yep. for um, media buys, yep. you know, 30 second spots, you know, um, you know, 15 second spots, um, you know, uh, commercials. Yep. And I was told by the campaign, oh, that's not going to be necessary. Mm he'll be able to get free media mm -hmm. because he was already perfecting that. Mm -hmm. um, saying just the craziest, I can go out on Fifth Avenue and I can shoot a person. I wouldn't lose a supporter. Right. And then it becomes, you know, three days of that's what you're hearing the most in the news. What the media could do is first, they can actually start putting people on air that understands what what's happening. Yeah, especially um, former because, members like yourself. For, <laughs> former members. They put a, I mean, they put administration people on, which is great to find out what happened in the administration. But we're looking at an election that's coming up again. Yeah. So what is the campaign doing? Right. Who are the people on the campaign? Like, how can we actually like? Like what? Are, what's the playbook? Um, but also cult experts. <laughs> okay, so that people can the lexicon. Yeah, it needs to become a part of the public lexicon. Yeah, the conversations of um, of modeling, of um, the keywords or the repetition of ways to identify what's happening, it needs to become a part of public dialogue. Yeah, because uh, you know what's happening as long as it's not. We're watching it grow further. Yes, exactly. And so now we see what's happening with Israel and Palestine. Now we see, um, you know, kids um, talking about how great Osama bin Laden is. Yeah. Right now, our citizens all over the world, not just here, are sitting ducks. Yeah. Because we haven't effectively figured out a way. And I think that we're so used to using the same people yeah. that have been the experts since 2008 or 2002 yep. 
without understanding, like those are the people that we see on TV repeatedly. Right. They do not understand what is happening now. The way that politics worked in 2002 is absolutely not what's happening right now. And then it takes four years for that, for everyone to catch up Yeah. because they're using old language yeah. to describe they're having a hard time understanding what's happening. Yeah, but a lot, of, I believe, is happening on social media platforms. Oh, so the Osama bin Laden thing was TikTok, TikTok. which is China. Yeah. And yeah. we know for a fact that they're gathering Trump. data on us yeah. uh, to manipulate young people's minds and yeah. to polarize more and more. Trump 2016 was Facebook. Yep. You know, well, <laughs> Facebook was probably the largest yep. um, social media platform that we used as um, that we used as a campaign yep. that all of these coalitions use. Yep. Like you were not an official Trump group if you did not have a Facebook page. Right. I mean, like that was I mean, it was as simple as that. Yeah. And so but Facebook was the largest. And I remember like right after Trump was elected, um, Mark Zuckerberg going into all of these red states, mm. meeting with like governors and things like that, which I thought, which I thought was odd. Yes. Considering. <laughs> but, you know, so we have to understand, too, that um these social media companies are not going to help. Well, they don't us. want government regulation. They don't right. want to in, in anybody to encroach on their profit. And yet, um, for as a as a citizen, unless we have data privacy protection like Europe right. is attempting to do, and we have regulation of these platforms, we're sitting ducks for anyone yeah, with a lot sure. of money who want to have more power. And want to, like uh, Michael Johnson, the Speaker of the House, has been on the record. He wants to get rid of Medicare and Medicaid yep. and yeah, ve veterans' sure. rights. But people are like, well, you would never do that. But, huh? Yeah. Why wouldn't but it's he? Like and it needs to dominate that, like, those are the, those are the messages that we have to communicate. How does this affect you? Right. I was thinking about this earlier because people always talk about how, um, you know, Trump has nothing in common with the people that are his supporters. And for them, I, th I think that they don't want someone who has anything in common with them. He is what they aspire to be. He's brash. He can say all of this stuff that now they can get away with, you know. And But we, from the standpoint of the media, we have to start... Um, putting people on air and we have to start making um, terminology a part of the lexicon yeah. that's actually describing what's happening. Right. But we need to access the people who own the five huge corporate media conglomerates right. Right. and influence them because otherwise I'm afraid that um, the little, little podcasts <laughs> like the influence continuum but how do we grow a bigger audience that understands this stuff? For me, I'd like to mobilize more former members. Like uh -huh. there are millions of Americans who've been in multi-level marketing groups mm -hmm. or in controlling exploitative relationships or have uh -huh. been in corporations where they were treated like a, a labor trafficking slave uh -huh. or people who've been trafficked. Um, yep. People who are in religious cults who are leaving in droves, 
but they need to get educated and they need to get mobilized that their voice because matters. are everywhere. They're everywhere. They're everywhere and they are growing. You know, I mean, even for myself, I think I've been a part of two. <laughs> uh-huh. And I'm not proud of that. So the other one was John of God? The other uh-huh. was John of God. And that was um, a faith healer in Brazil? And that was a faith healer, mm-hmm. yes. And so it's like, oh, you know, we can, you know, if you're terminally ill, you know, and Western medicine has said there's nothing else that we can do for you. You come to Brazil and we have this spiritual healing. And I'm thinking again, oh, we're just helping people, right. people that are ill. And so, um, but but cults are everywhere. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's like, you know, it's the the your finances, how your finances become tied into them. Yeah. You know, how your relationships become tied into them. Yep. Um, I was, you know, I've been reading your your books a lot over the past couple of weeks. But then I was, um, I remember the section you were talking about like human trafficking and mm. sex trafficking and the language of pimps, right? Yep. And, um, and how they use it to brainwash people. And then I started to think about people like Hope Hicks yeah. that has been in like multiple relationships yeah. with multiple people that are within the Trump inner circle yeah. or Colin Lewandowski who had, is having to, you know, you know, the governor of North Dakota, maybe, maybe not, but was in a relationship with Hope Hicks. Like you hear all of these stories yeah. of people who are in relationships, even within, you know, the campaign or even within the administration. Yeah. You know, Stephanie Grisham was in a relationship with the guy, mm-hmm. you know, that was in the inner circle. And so it's, you That's know, how I got start- recruited into the Moonies, women. <laughs> My girlfriend had dumped me and they were flirting with me. And it's a very common recruitment strategy of cults, to be honest, you know. The flirting is what makes me run. So it was when Trump flirted with me that it finally, (laughs) I run from the flirting. So that was the one thing. The core self of Alva Johnson clicked in. Predator. I was like, oh my God. Predator. That was like the one thing that um, that actually shook me. Yeah, I bet. Was that was the thing that made me the most um, alert? Because at that point, it didn't become well. The media just doesn't like him, or they just don't want him to win, or these people are just lying, or you've met him, he's not like this. It was my own experience. Yes, actually, now that was the one thing. Yeah, that's very that- interesting. So you must have heard the Access Hollywood, you know. That was the day that I left. That was the day. It was that was the day that I left. It was the day that I left. It was the day that I left because um one I didn't even hear it until we were all at dinner that night mm-hmm. because they keep you busy. Right. So you're very busy. Right. I hadn't seen the news, hadn't watched the news, yep. hadn't really been on my phone yep. that much that day. Um I was having to get all the RVs into, we were in Sarasota, Mm -hmm. which now Sarasota has become a hotbed of MAGA craziness. And, um, but anyway, so we were in Sarasota. I had to get all the RVs from, you know, North Florida, South Florida, Central Florida. And so we go there with Susie Wiles, Lenny Wiles, Joe Gruders, um, who, if, um, if anyone is interested, Google Joe Gruders. Um, who was the state chairman, I think, of the 2016 campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lenny, Susie's husband, was there, which, again, is Russia, Meninsky, lobbyist. Yeah. 
And so they, so all of our, um, the majority, like 80% of our statewide staff are here in Sarasota, Sarasota. We're at this restaurant in a back private room. And so it was like a, um, like, you know, Monday will be different. You know, today was a rough day. You know, don't worry. We're going to go back out on Monday, take the weekend off, you know, recalibrate. And so then I look at the guy next to me and I'm like, hey, I'm like, what's going on? They said, oh, you know, grab him by the pee. I was like, grab by the pee. By the like, crotch. Yeah, the, or, yeah no. it was like, it was the story that came out today. So then I have my phone underneath the table. So I start Googling. And then when I saw it, it was like Access Hollywood, you know, hot mic. But then I started reading it. Mm -hmm. And then as I started reading it, I literally just kind of froze um, because a couple of months before then in an RV, it was at the kickoff of the general election. He grabbed me by my arms, was moving in to kiss me, and I turned my, my face. And there's a video of it because I saw There's a it. video of it, which they told me never existed. They told me it never happened. They said I wasn't even in Florida. <laughs> I was never in the Moonies either. They, they, <laughs> the Moonies came up with that after a few years. Yeah. yeah, it was like, oh, she was never in Florida. We don't remember her there. Oh, that kiss never happened. And then when the video surfaced, well, it was a friendly kiss. You know, I mean, it was like, you know, but um, I remembered when that happened, it was exactly the way that he described on Access Hollywood. Yeah. And then it became like this ongoing joke, you know, of all of my um, colleagues. Well, we know the boss likes you. You're the only one to get a kiss from the boss. Not that I'm the only one that ever kissed the boss. No, you're the only one to get a kiss from the boss. And then when um, Access Hollywood that day, um, and I'm a former human resources executive, yep. so let's start there. <laughs> yep. You know, and so the very first thing I thought when that happened on the RV was that, well, that's not appropriate. That was like the very first thing my HR hat went yep. on. That's not appropriate. But then it's like you don't want to seem sensitive, and then you start, you know, making these excuses. Rationalizations, yeah. The rationalization of it. And then when Access Hollywood came out, it verbatim um, said everything that I felt that day. Mm -hmm. It was exactly what I felt that day. What he described is exactly my recollection. And you were an objective for his pleasure. What I saw happen, mm -hmm. what I saw happening that day. Mm -hmm. And so that was the day that I left. I changed my phone number. I moved out of campaign housing. Mm -hmm. um, I found a lawyer and a good therapist. Mm. And I literally went into hiding. Um, I had people that were concerned for my safety. Yes. That were calling my family. Like, we just want to know that she's okay. Because they knew um, the caliber of the people that I had been around in Florida. Yep. And so um, there were people that were concerned for my safety. Like, literally, I hid out. Yeah, I believe you. Yeah. And so, I hid out um, after the Moonies for a while because they threatened yeah. me. And it was pretty yeah. scary at first. It was very scary. And that's a common tactic. Yep. And so even now, this enemies list, mm -hmm. you know, it's not so much a threat for those of us who have already dared to speak out. Mm -hmm. It's also a warning for people. Yeah, no, it's, it's a control yeah. mechanism. But right. I just, I want to end the, our conversation with hope and the yes. fact that we're survivors 
We're thrivers. Yeah. We've found our bearing. We're back in our, you know, our core values. And we want, we care about people. And right. I believe, uh, I'm a believer in God. I believe you're a believer in God. And this is the right thing to do. It is. I mean, you know, it, it would be so easy to do nothing. But um, but that's the last thing right. <laughs> I think I would ever want to do is I I I don't want to feel I don't I want to feel as if I've tried everything. Agreed, thousand yeah. percent. I I watched a video of a of a Russian protester who had put five slips of paper to protest the invasion of Ukraine. She was just sentenced to seven years oh. in a in in a prison colony as an artist for seven years because she dared to say anything critical of Putin's uh, agenda. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, that's the direction what, we're going. Yeah, we don't want to be in Russia. We don't want them to take over. We don't want she to take over. And we want to have a free and open society, but we can't have it so free that we allow our enemies to destroy us. To, to destroy us and, from the inside. And to turn us against each other. Right. We have to, to come back us, yeah. to our core values. And so I just, I really feel as if, um, first, we don't isolate the people um, in our lives who we don't agree with at this time. Yep. Um, you know, you also have to um, maintain your own sanity. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but it's like, you know, just don't talk politics. Right. You know, just, you know, talk about anything. It's like, you know, let them know that there is a safe landing place if they ever decided to, you know, like that's rebuild the foundation. that relationship. Yep. Yeah, that's the foundation. But I, I teach, like, talk about Chinese communist brainwashing. Talk about about yeah. pimps and traffickers and how they recruit and indoctrinate people to be slaves, share the bite model, you know, mm -hmm. educate people, and then ask them gently with curiosity and respect questions. Could you yeah. go back in time? What's your first memory of, of Donald Trump? And, yeah. and tell, walk me th slowly through how you through. came to, to take him seriously as a politician as a politician and i think also that um so far it doesn't seem as if any tech company as if you know any of these any of these tech companies have done this if they have i haven't heard anything about it but i also think that it is important for us to start gathering information as well yeah and that's um i feel as if you know the things that we can do well we need to you know there there should be there needs to be a company yeah. that can actually look at these profiles of who these people are now and then look at what they were posting on social media 10 years ago yeah you know eight years ago so that we could start that's a great finding, idea start finding the lines of where they um like where did the messaging change? Yeah, and what was that messaging? Right, because a lot of times even people like they'll understand, you know, the things for them, but they don't understand why they started to suddenly right. they worry about um, child traffickers. Right, you know, they were just teaching yoga. Right, you know, in um, Kenosha, Wisconsin, and then right. next thing they know, they're at like a school board saying ban books. Right. And so even sometimes, um, I think that if, you know, as we're talking about media and things that we can do as the lights are flashing red, 
for me personally, I always talk about the reverse engineering. Yeah. I would love to see a tech company yeah. um, or start one where they can actually start taking the profiles of people and then start doing like looking at where they were 10 years ago and where did the messaging change and where did that messaging come from? Yep. And then as we talk to people or as we start to create these groups where people feel safe yep. to get out of it, we can empower people with the language or with the, you know, as they talk to people, um, which is, I mean, that's. Yeah. <laughs> that's, and and destigmatize the fact that we got taken and we, yeah. we were believing people we shouldn't have believed and following blindly and allowing somebody to tell us don't trust any critical information don't think for yourself we've had we know what god wants so just follow right. us blindly and that's opposite what faith is about faith is, right and, yeah, and trust and the divine <laughs> the divine plan as far as i understand about the abrahamic religions alva johnson thank you for being you Thank you for speaking you. up. Um, we have a lot of, to do, and we have <laughs> desire to do it. We need more uh, help to get, get the work out there. And so anyone listening to this, share it. Uh, if, if you know anyone with influence or philanthropic organizations or whatever, um, let's, let's work together. And, and there are other former MAGA folks who are stepping up. Uh, I've interviewed a few, uh, but you're, you have a unique insight. So thank you for speaking up in your thank bravery. Thank you so much. Thank you for all of your support over the years. Um, when I was so terrified and I felt like no one knew what was happening, I could always look and I always knew that there was someone that understood what was happening. Uh, thank you. So thank you for, for hope <laughs> when sometimes it didn't feel like there was. Yeah, let's stay in touch. Thanks again. Absolutely. That's it for today's episode of The Influence Continuum. I've been your host, Dr. Stephen Hassan. Theme music for the podcast is by Nasser Malik. To keep up to date with me and happenings that I think are important, please visit my website at freedomofmind.com. There you'll find in-depth articles about cults, mind control, and other relevant topics. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at CultExpert. If you want to develop a comprehensive understanding of these topics, I highly recommend my books, Combating Cult Mind Control, Freedom of Mind, and The Cult of Trump, in that order. These books are a culmination of 45-plus years of experience and will really help you grasp the complex web of undue influence. I have also launched a new nine-hour online course for anyone interested in a deep dive into issues related to recovering from undue influence in all forms. While this course is designed for clinicians, everyone can benefit. Remember, love is stronger than mind control. And thanks for listening.